we haven't talked much yet about structure at all, right? How does the structure of an organization change when you are no longer a pyramid and you become a self-managing organization? Now, I know some organizations who start just with little small tests where simply, um, you know, a manager is not replaced, right? And the management tasks are taken over by a team, right? I remember, um, you know, a, a company in, in France, um, you know, transport company, um, and the HR director um, left to focus on innovation. And suddenly the HR team, you know, was still the same and they started self-managing, right? Uh, you often see that in, in factories where you have, you know, the, the teams on the shop floor that suddenly start to self-manage and no longer have, um, you know, a manager. Right? And so that case, the structure really doesn't change very much right? um, in these early examples. But as soon as you start you know, getting more and more teams to self-manage, um, typically you go much beyond that. Um, and there's actually some fundamental shifts to the organizational structure. And um, I want to highlight three in this video. Right? The... The first one is that you almost always see a shift from an organization that um, before that was organized functionally um, to cross-functional end-to-end um, teams, right? So in most organizations, we have these functional silos, right? You have like marketing and you have finance and you have sales and you have operations and, and all of these things. Um, and these lines only converge sort of at the very top at the executive committee level. Um, in self-managing organizations, what you almost always have is a shift to small teams that have all of these things in these teams, right? You have, um, you know, operations and, you know, purchasing and uh, sales and marketing and finance, like, you know, all the you know, teams are responsible for everything end-to-end -end for a client, right? At Beardsark, uh, a team of nurses is completely responsible for their clients. They do everything, right? From working with their clients to working with the local hospital to um, working with the local doctors, they are in charge of the full thing. Um, you know, a lot of manufacturing companies like at, at Favi, right? The team is responsible for everything they do for one client. And at Favi, the salesperson that sells to Volkswagen actually sits with the team on the shop floor um, uh, that you know, is working for, for Volkswagen. And in that way, you have full ownership, right? That team can do everything that it needs directly to take care of the, of the client, right? Which is very different from how it happens in most traditional factories where there's some salespeople that the workers never ever see, um, you know, who you know, lands a sale and puts it into the system and then it lands the system and at some point the workers just you know, get an order to produce and they don't even know what they produce. Um, a similar example for, um, I've seen happening in schools, right? A lot of schools, um, uh, certainly sort of high schools, you know, are organized by departments, right? There's the, like the, the science teachers and they might get together and then, you know, the language teachers, etc. And what you see in a lot of schools that go towards self-management is that larger schools are sort of broken up into these mini schools, right? Um, like the school in Berlin that I write about the, in the book, right? Where um, 
you know, there's a sort of three classes um, with six teachers form a mini school, and these six teachers feel fully responsible for these three classes, for all of the children in there, and um, you know, for the relationship with the parents and for you know what they will do with them, and, um, and so there's a, a real sense of ownership at a manageable scale. So that's like the first big shift, right, is to go to these cross-functional end-to-end teams. Now, sometimes going entirely end-to-end, so, you know, doing everything, you know, including, you know, dealing with the customer is not possible just by the nature of the business, right? If I look at, for instance, at Michelin, the tire manufacturer that is moving towards self-management, um, you know, the, the, the team on the shop floor level, you know, might become self-managing, right? We, we do this kind of tire in this factory, you know, that's, that's, that's us, right? Um, but it just doesn't make any sense to have a salesperson just for that tire sit with us because, you know, one salesperson sells all sorts of different tires, not just our tires, so that, you know, that system unfortunately cannot work. But, but still, there's so much more than this team could do than what they did before, right? Um, they can start becoming responsible for their own maintenance instead of the maintenance department, right? They can do their own machine setups instead of specialists. They can be responsible for their own environmental management. They can do their own hiring instead of HR. They can do their own planning. They can do their own purchasing. So a lot of these support functions can get integrated into these teams. So it's not entirely end-to-end, but boy, you know, they really do have much, much more ownership now than they used to have. A second fundamental change um, that happens in a lot of large organizations is um, that we get rid of these middle layers of management that only existed because of the notion of span of control, right? So there are a lot of large organizations when you have lots of parallel teams, um, you then have sort of a, a layer of people simply because there's this notion that, you know, you can't have more than 7, 10, 12, 15 people um, under one person, under one boss. That, that's the span of control, right? So um, a good typical example is, you know, retail operations, right? Say that there's a large retailer and they have 500 stores in one country. Um, well, then you would say, hey, you know, like these 10 stores in that region, they have sort of a regional manager. And then you have like sort of a sub-regional manager and then you have the national manager that, you know, overlooks that. And so they stack um, in this way. And really, if you think about it, these middle, you know, these middle layers really don't add much value, right? Um, if the stores are working well, there really isn't very much to do. And in self-management with self-directing systems, you know, stores, you know, work extremely well. So we really, you know, don't need these managers. And it's a pretty horrible sort of bullshit job, right? What, what do they do? They hire people, you know, store managers, but the stores could do that themselves, right? Um, and they come in and say, like, you know, your results aren't good enough, but self-correcting mechanisms could do that in a better way. And so... Um, what happens in a lot of these organizations is that these middle levels disappear and people who are doing these jobs that weren't very interesting can start doing interesting things again, right? They can start working on 
on projects and innovations and new initiatives and services and, and all sorts of things. Um, and so you have structures like um, you know, Beardsorg, they now have more than a thousand teams, right? And there isn't any of that. You know, there's basically Jost de Bloc and a number of other people in headquarters supporting these teams, but, but there is no hierarchy above them. Um, in the case of Beardsorg, they have decided to have a number of coaches. I think there's probably now something like 20 coaches. Um, and every coach has sort of 50 teams that they can work with, um, but they have no responsibility for the results of the teams. If a you know, team has bad results, it's up to the teams to fix it. It's not, you know, nobody will look at the coach to fix it. But the role of the coach might be simply to pick up the phone and say, hey, I see your results are, are poor, you know, do you need any help or can you, can you solve it? Um, so the, the, the role of coaches can help for, uh, for support. Um, but for the rest, everything that sort of the manager used to do can go back into the teams, right? So sometimes there is a need for coordination, say at a regional level, right? Hey, you know, these 10 teams, you know, we, ex we talk with one another because, you know, if it's the holiday period and in our store, we, you know, we're, we're lacking a few people, we'll call the other stores and we'll just arrange that. Now that task might have been done before by a manager. Now, you know, this is very simply um, a task that we could arrange and so, one of the persons in one of the stores could take on this role, um, you know, to be the coordinator for these kind of things. Okay, and the third fundamental change has to do with support functions, right? Um, as I've already um, mentioned in the example of Michelin, um, typically a lot of what used to be these dedicated support functions, right? I don't know. Um, HR and, and marketing and finance and purchasing and uh, maintenance and you know these things get reintegrated into the teams right teams do their own HR their own hiring and their own uh, evaluations and all of these things um, and the way the the work of these support functions often happens is that you get voluntary task forces right so um, we might have a voluntary sort of HR task force, right? People who are really passionate about thinking about, hey, when we um, welcome a new member, what could, would be the best onboarding that we could do, right? And so let's say in a retail um, uh, industry, you know, we could be, hey, I'm in this store and you're in that store and that store and we're all passionate about it and we be, you know, form this voluntary task force that will think about onboarding, right? Or in the same retail operations, you know, who are the people who are sort of interested and excited about, about marketing, uh, right? About design, about, you know, what, what should our posters look like? And, you know, what, what, what should our, our material look like? And, well, we have a voluntary task force. And then what often happens is that's, you know, these task forces can decide to hire somebody, sort of as, you know, sort of a central delegation, um, right, from... To say, hey, you know, this is worth it to have a dedicated person to do this because, really, frankly, this is too much for us to do in, in the stores, right? So maybe they say, you know, somebody doing the salary administration, right? We'd love somebody to do it centrally for all the stores, but it's it's us who decide this. It's not an HR director, right? It's it's us that decide. Hey, we want somebody 
to that century for us. Um, maybe this marketing task force will say, hey, you know, we, we really want um, a graphic designer um, you know, to, to start doing some of this, right? Or a social media specialist or... Um, and, but remember, sort of they always work in conjunction with that voluntary task force, right? Um, which ends up being a great thing for the central roles, right? Um, let's imagine that I'm hired as, uh, you know, sort of the, the branding person and the graphic design person. And, um, and let's say that there's like 50 stores. Um, in a traditional role, like there's nobody there for me to talk to. You know, I just do my thing and then I send it to the stores and then the stores might like it, not like it. I don't really know until it's too late. If there's a voluntary task force that has sort of hired me, you know, okay, wow, I have people to talk with. Like I, you know, people I can say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Would that work in the stores? And they give me feedback. And if I have a new design, I can shoot it to them and they give me feedback. Um, so having these voluntary task forces um, is helpful even for the few central roles um, that you still might decide to have. Right. So these are the three big shifts that I see. Um, you know, going from these large functional silos to these small end-to-end -end cross-functional teams. Um, you know, no longer having these hierarchical layers purely out of span of control um, and whatever functions that they have get reintegrated in teams. And then the same thing uh, with the support functions. A lot of what happens in the support functions gets reintegrated in the teams. Um, they can have voluntary task forces and then they can sort of centrally delegate some of the things and hire some people in central functions um, to do work on behalf of everyone else. So that's what you might look out for. And I'm really curious you know, to see, does that make sense for your organization? You know, uh, how will your organization start shifting in this direction as you move towards self-management? Perhaps you've noticed there is no paywall, no monthly membership to access this video series. That's because the videos live in the gift economy. This is how it works. I gift everything that goes into making the videos, my time, energy, and insights, and you get to choose what feels right to gift back. Please take a moment to reflect on what would feel good to give in return to help me continue doing this work. Thank you.